Jake Shore is a New York City-based author, playwright, and educator. Jake's short stories have been published or are forthcoming in Hobart, Litro, New Contrast, J Journal, and others. In 2016, the Flea Theater presented his play Holy Moly and its tandem novel A Country for Fibbing. Broadway World states, It marks the first time a play with a correlating novel has been simultaneously released in the United States. His play The Devil is on the Loose with an Axe in Marshalltown was listed in Playbill's 13 shows not to miss off-Broadway August 1 to 16, 2017. Shore is currently the director of the Academic Advisement Center at St. Joseph's College, where he also teaches for the English department. He earned his MFA in creative writing at Goddard College. You can find out more about Jake at his website, jcspress.com. For this reading of The Tracks Are Electrified, the role of Taylor is played by Tom Schmidt, the role of Blake is played by Leia Rose, the role of Anissa is played by Julie Stackhouse, and the role of Roshan is played by Jason Cohen, with stage directions and cues read by Remy Schaefer. Act one, scene one. Fall, recently. The parlor floor apartment of a duplex in a brownstone on Franklin Avenue in the Bedford Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. Built in 1899, this used to be a stunning home, but lack of upkeep over the past decade by a horrendous landlord is descending it into decay. There are wood floors and a 13 foot high ceilings. A marble fireplace is stage left. Two large windows are upstage. Between them is a queen bed that looks like it is also used as a couch. Another similar twin bed is downstage right. To the right of that bed is a tall wooden partition screen that's used as a room divider, but it's not currently in use. Upstage left, there's a door that leads to the building's front entryway. Downstage left is a staircase that leads to the first floor of the apartment. Stage right on a small table is a large computer monitor that's used as a TV. It has wires connecting it to that jet out on, in all directions. There are folding chairs, beer bottles, solo cups, and drug paraphernalia strewn about as if there was a party last night and whoever cleaned up did a shitty job. Taylor, 24, and Blake, 25, sit on a couch downstage left drinking beer. Taylor is gender neutral. It's clear that Blake was born female but is projecting a masculine appearance. They're beautiful in an understated way dressed in a tough, grungy fashion. You hear about the guy who tried to kill himself jumping off Brooklyn Bridge? People do that all the time. Yeah, but did you hear about this guy? When? Recently. Define that. What's unclear about recently? Six minutes ago, last week, three days ago. I heard about it today. All right. Guy jumped off the bridge, right? But he was paranoid, I guess, that he was going to botch the suicide, so he took a gun along and shot himself on the way down. Who? In the news. When did this happen? I just told you that. Did you hear about today, or did it happen today? I don't know. He shot himself on the way down? Yeah, so the guy gets there, right? To the bridge, and he's sitting with his legs hanging over, looking down at the water, probably contemplating the existence of all that's ever happened to him. And he's also got this gun, right? He wants to shoot himself, but I guess he realizes that he can't do it. He can't bring the gun up to his head, so he jumps off the bridge and figures on the way down he'll shoot. While he's falling? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I guess he... He should have just shot himself when he had his legs hanging over the bridge, and then he would have fallen off into the water. 
sure. I think that was his plan, but he didn't do that. Dude had the balls to jump off, to jump and then blow his head off, but not the other way around. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess after he took the jump, he realized, like, all right, this is really happening. I jumped off a fucking bridge, so now I'm going to blow off my head. He actually did this. Yeah. In midair. Yeah, shortly after jumping. Okay, how long after? I don't know. How the fuck would I know that? Well, you heard about this. There must have been witnesses. I don't think any witnesses took out a stopwatch to time that, which you're inquiring about. Not just stopwatches. The machines can do... The machines now can do things. Calculations? Yeah, I don't know. Machines? Fuck you. Machines? Fuck me, machines? Fuck you, machines. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So anyway, what happened? So he did it. I mean, on the way down, he shot himself, but he fucked it up. I mean, all that wind, right? The strength of the air while he was falling. So he put the bullet through his jaw. His jaw? Yeah, blew his jaw off. He died though, right? Because of the fall? Dude fell into a yacht. What? Here you are, some rich fucking prick going for a ride on your yacht in the East River. You hear a gunshot from above and you look up and some dude's falling face plants on your yacht's deck. Did he die? Not only did he die, his injuries weren't even that bad. Oh, not only did he not die, his injuries weren't even that bad. Broke tons of shit, sure, and he'll be in the hospital for a while. But the doctors are saying he's going to be fine. Jesus. Crazy shit, right? People in the city out for a stroll, walking their dog, get hit by a bus, a freak accident. And meanwhile, this guy tries to blow off his head, jumping off a bridge in some, like, double efficient way of offing himself and still doesn't even, doesn't even pan out fucking unbelievable. Anissa, 27, enters through the door upstage left with the intensity and purpose. She's dressed in a stylish all-black outfit and leather jacket. She makes a beeline to the computer monitor and hooks up her phone to one of the wires jetting out of it. Yo, y'all gotta check this out. A dude jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge and shot himself on the way down and slammed into a lot, into a yacht. Look at this. A YouTube video of Brooklyn Bridge that has obviously been taken on someone's cell phone appears on the computer monitor. A yacht is sailing beneath the bridge. It's unclear that someone is standing on the bridge about to jump, though. We were just talking about that. How did you find this video? Some witness took it. I fucking told you. What are you talking about? Witnesses. You're ranting about fucking machines. Shut the fuck up. Look at this. Where is he? I don't know, it's tough to see him, but... Holy shit. In the video, a tiny figure jumps off the bridge. Dude jumps. A gunshot is heard, but the man falling in the video is difficult to see. The audience doesn't see the man shoot himself in a way that's bloody or gory. Goodbye, jaw. A beat. They all react in entertained horror. And then bang. The man in the video falls into the yacht, the sound of wood breaking and crunching right into the yacht. Dude fucking lived. How is that possible? Anissa removes the wire from her phone. The computer monitor returns to black. Right? The shit's trending. Dude is gonna have like a few hundred thousand Instagram followers by the time he's released from the hospital. Alan might have him. For sure. People on Twitter are saying that this is like a piece, piece of performance art or some shit. Performance art? Yeah, fucking greatest show on earth, right? Wrong. Anissa walks downstage left. 
There's a bench stage left, and on top of it is a book, a small glass piece for smoking weed, and a 30-page document. Anissa grabs the document and starts leafing through it. Is this it? Yeah. What? Did you not check the group chat? Not today. Why? Some dude came by today and served this to me. Us, I guess. This building is officially in foreclosure. Pre-foreclosure. What? Michelle hasn't been paying her mortgage. Goddamn asshole. She's probably been blowing her rent money on opium. How is that legal? The lease we signed only stipulates that we pay rent. Whether she wants to pay her mortgage is a whole different thing. Well, this is saying we have to pay rent to the bank. Yeah. Is this true? What bank? The bank who owns the mortgage. We all need to talk about it, and we got to talk to somebody who gets the law. For Sean's friend, maybe? Somebody. Google's only got us so far on this one. Whatever. Where are you going? I gotta get ready. People are gonna be here soon. Are we gonna have to find a new place to live? I don't think so. We just gotta figure out who to pay rent to. All right. You're right, though, Taylor. That dude jumping is nuts. Yeah. Wonder if he did. Wonder if he came to some profound revelation on the way down, or even when he fired the gun. Like we're all part of some single, massive, interdimensional creature. What's the matter with you? Have you ever thought about that? What? I don't know. Whether we're all connected to an alien? Or about the foreclosure? Neither. What? Suicide. Killing yourself? You know yesterday morning when it started to rain? The way the water sprayed tiny little bits of pitter-patter all over the concrete street? All those people walking along with jackets hiding beneath hoods so they don't feel the cold chill really soak into them? I don't know. It felt like I was the rain. Like I wasn't one of the people walking along the street hiding beneath a coat. I felt like the rain. The rain? Yeah. What's wrong? I have no fucking idea. How's work going? It sucks. Well, work is required to suck. How's the podcast? No one listens. If no one is listening, then it might as well not even fucking exist, right? Am I no one? Come on, you have to listen. That's not true at all. And I mean, shit, you have the best of both worlds. Desk job to pay the bills and... I don't have shit. Last week, my boss sent me to make, make sure someone he works with was alive. He sent me to the dude's apartment just to ring the bell and see he wasn't fucking dead. What happened? Dude was fine. I mean, we all do grunt work, right? I serve coffee. You're a writer, Taylor. You can write. I can't do shit. I mean, you can serve coffee knowing that you're going to come back to this house and write short stories and have that as, like... You have your podcast. I don't have an audience. I'm stuck. I don't... I feel like I have no reason to fucking stay alive. A beat. Rashawn, 26, enters from the stairs, downstage left. He's visibly drunk and holding a bottle of liquor. What's up? 
Hey, Rashawn. Yo, you know what I just found out? Let me guess. Instagram is fucking incredible. You can take videos and post them. We're under constant surveillance now. It's fucked and awesome. Instagram has been around for like 10 years. Yeah, well, I'm a late responder. You know those graphs with like the loops? Bell curve. Sean drinks from his bottle. Blake moves stage left and sits on the couch. What's new? Uh, not much. This dude from my hometown that he OD'd on fentanyl that, you know, he thought was blow and he fucking died. So then his mom killed herself afterwards. Fucking bummer. Jesus. I'm sorry, Rashawn. Yeah, thanks. Other than that, yeah, I mean, Instagram, man, that shit fucking, shit fucks real hard. When are people getting here? I don't know. I sort of forgot people were coming. Rashawn takes a bag of cocaine out of his jacket pocket. Well, let's do some blow because I'm fucking hammered. Go easy, dude. We're running out of people who still want to hang out with you. <laughs> Fuck everyone. Whatever. Sean puts a key into the bag of cocaine and snorts it. I'm a spy in the house of love. <laughs> Taylor sits next to Blake on the couch. Are you all right? Singing. I know the dream that you're dreaming of. I'm fine. It's whatever. Sean takes another key bump of cocaine and walks over to Blake and Taylor. He offers them the bag of blow, a beat. Blake grabs it takes Rashawn's keys and does a key bump. She passes the bag to Taylor. Good shit, right? Yeah. Taylor does a bump. Blake jumps up, moves stage right, and connects her phone to the computer monitor. She puts on Daft Punk is Playing at My House by LCD Sound System and starts dancing wildly. A beat. Rashawn starts dancing, and so does Taylor. This song fucking rocks. The music continues to play, and all three of them dance around the room. Rashawn takes another key bump of cocaine. Yo, you hear about that dude who just jumped off the fucking bridge and shot himself on the... In yes. It's fucking crazy, right? And scene. Of course. <laughs> I like it. It shows, like, just the harsh realities when you go to hang out with people. Like, did you hear about this crazy shit? All right, let's do some crazy shit ourselves. You know, and also with fentanyl and that whole crazy nightmare. It's getting too real. Um, I The word fentanyl is in my brain somewhere, but I don't actually know what it is. It's an opioid derivative that's largely responsible for the opioid crisis that's been happening. It's like a... It says Wikipedia over there. That's like really small. If you do like a little bit, you can like die. I guess, Jake, uh, are you aware of that? I'm sure you're aware of it because you're a user, but are you aware of that mainly because of uh, having so many kids that you are around on such a regular basis? I have friends who have um, fallen victim to the opioid crisis. And that is really my entry point into, yeah, using drugs in um, my plays as a metaphor and I just find the irony of the pharmaceutical companies really being the ultimate drug dealer as, um, yeah, just crippling for society in general and really the thing that's destroying people's lives. And it's, 
yeah, this, um, this play and also another play that I wrote pretty recently, the focus is, yeah, that drug dealers, I, I'd, hear, I'd heard all these stories of drug dealers cutting Coke with fentanyl and that essentially they're selling fentanyl. So they're really like drug dealers for the pharmaceutical companies in this totally bastardized way. And I, yeah, so um, I, I actually had a friend who, yeah, OD'd and, you know, so stuff, you know, these stories that were thrown around, even going back to college where you're talking to people and all of a sudden this outrageous story would come up of, of someone really now in retrospect, being able to look at it as they were victims of the opioid crisis. And it was, oh, well, they OD'd on Coke. And it's like, well, they were victims of the opioid crisis. They were given fentanyl, they didn't know they, and then the very high profile, um, I think it was Mac Miller, or one of the, one, like a very high profile guy um, thought he was doing Coke and was actually doing fentanyl. And that was really popularized in the news. And I, so through those different stories really were my entry point into, yeah, using it the way that I did in this play and, and one other play in particular, I used it as well. So what was the, if I may ask, what was the impetus for this story? Um, well, this one was, I mean, this show has been sitting in the drawer. I wrote it a year ago. I was, I had kind of a cockamamie plan of what I was going to do with it. It all fell through kind of as just because the theater that I thought was going to want it didn't really want it. And um, then, you know, COVID hit and I just kind of been sitting in the drawer. But um, one element was I was living somewhere where that happened, where I got these documents where uh, now you have to pay rent to the bank. And then my landlord was saying, no, you have to pay rent to us. So it was like, I, all of a sudden I felt like where I was living was, I didn't know who to pay rent to. It was kind of this huge legal issue that I, I, we didn't know anything about and I was living with my friends. Um, so there was that idea and that kind of gave urgency for, you know, their apartment being removed and them having to move. And, um, and then I, uh, one of my favorite playwrights is Adam Rapp and he wrote a play called Red Light Winter where in the first page, a character um, tries to hang himself. So the lights come up, he tries to hang himself with a belt. They're in Amsterdam, he falls on the ground, his friend comes in and finds him, but he plays it off like he wasn't trying to kill himself. So it's like, that's the first moment, you know, lights come up and that's the first moment. So I was kind of trying to think of what would be a crazy story that, and that's where I came up with the guy on the bridge and jumping and, you know, so I kind of, that was the idea from that. And yeah, it was just kind of a bunch of different, ultimately the play is about a terrorist attack on the subway. Um, and that's why it's called the tracks are electrified, are electrified because that's one of the things that it says on the on the subway. So it's really just like a bunch of different ideas that I threw together. Uh, may I say something, Jake? Um, I really enjoy. I think it was very strong writing. I like how you created this very strong image, and that was outside, and then it became you put a mirror in front of it. And now it's not them anymore. Um, yeah, it was very powerful. Um, 
I also wanted to acknowledge we usually just talk about plays and playwrights, but really brilliant actors. I assume everyone except for the playwrights is actor here, right? Those who read. Um, and it was really brilliant. I really enjoyed just your, your reading, all of you. Enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, it was really great writing. I mean, it's so easy to to act well when the words are given to you like in such a great way. So, um, Jake, it was really great to to read that and, and act that. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are amazing. It was, it was... I, was, I was definitely going to second that. All, and everybody, like all the playwrights. The writing has been so easy, it kind of makes our job easier. <laughs> it's fun, you know? Like, For real. But yeah, Jake, that was that was brilliant. And, and same with all the other stuff we've read tonight. So thank you for letting us do that.